Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 78. This was a tough number. Not a lot of people wearing 78. Byron Fraze. If anyone remembers Byron Fraze, there you go. So, uh, currently playing for the Stockton Heat of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and what's happenings in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because those are my two favorite teams, of course, but I can talk about all 32 teams in the NHL. So what is on tap for the show today? Well, the Flames have made a trade, so they're, they're starting that ball. We got news out of Ottawa. We got uh, news from the board of directors meetings with all the GMs in the NHL. Someone wants out of Nashville. A little bit surprised who it is. We'll talk about that. Minnesota, how are they doing with the new coaching change? And let's talk about, I don't know where I want to go first. I think we should talk about the Arizona Coyotes, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, the Arizona Coyotes. Are Is this team for real right now? Are we serious? I'm starting to think so. So Arizona had a pretty fun week this, uh, this week. Uh, literally, something happened that I don't think we were we will ever see again. The chances that this even happened are astronomical, like a zillion to one that this happened. But the Arizona Coyotes are the first NHL team to beat the last five Stanley Cup champions in a row. Holy shit. Like, to have that happen is so insane. For the scheduling to line up like that, to have five of the last five years Stanley Cup champions going up against a team and and that team beating the all five of them in a row is amazing and that's got to be a massive boost of motivation and confidence in this Arizona team who's kind of just been quietly putting along doing really solidly they're in a playoff spot right now they got Connor Ingram playing out of his freaking mind right now over there in Arizona like This is the fun thing about goaltending, man. Like, every year, it's very unpredictable. There can be a goaltender that's been in the league for 10 years, and out of nowhere, they become a Vesna candidate, and you can have a goaltender that's never played in the NHL before, and he makes his debut at 37 years old, and he wins. You can have a Zamboni driver working for your own team go up against you and beat you. So, goaltending is just so amazingly interesting to me. I've always been intrigued by goaltending in all sports. I find goaltending across where if there's a goaltender, that's probably my homie right there. I just, I respect goaltending so very much. It's a thankless job for the most part. I mean, it's, there's so much shit that gets piled onto the poor goaltenders. Anyway, we're not really rambling about goaltending right now. But the Arizona Coyotes took down the last five Stanley Cup champions. St. Louis Blues, Washington Capitals, Colorado, Vegas, and another team. Regardless, they beat five of them. Um, Who is that fifth team? I can't remember. Regardless, insanely impressive. Now, not all of these teams, all five of those teams are of that Stanley Cup caliber anymore. Like St. Louis, they're kind of struggling this season as well. They're definitely not that 2019 Stanley Cup champion team anymore, but they beat them. And then there's the Washington Capitals, who are just an anomaly in their own right. I have everything numbers-wise, statistic-wise, with the Washington Capitals makes zero sense. They have one of the worst power plays ever. I don't want to get too much into Washington, but 
yeah, they're just a really strange team. I mean, maybe we'll go a little more in depth with Washington a little bit later. And I mean, yeah, they beat Colorado in pretty convincing fashion. They take down Vegas in pretty convincing fashion. And Vegas is not an easy team to beat, nor is Colorado, though they've been a little inconsistent. But Vegas, you know, they haven't been as hot as they were at the beginning of the year, but they are still defending Stanley Cup champions. And with Arizona taking down all these pretty legitimate teams at this point, I have to ask the question, is this team, this Arizona Coyotes team, are they going to make the playoffs right here? Are they going to fuck around and make the playoffs? And in all honesty, I really, really, really hope so. I think I might be becoming a little bit of an Arizona Coyotes fan. Uh, basically because they are massive underdogs. Like, nobody's rooting for the Coyotes other than their own fans. Like, they're the laughing stock of the NHL with their arena that they're in right now. But they just keep going. They just keep going every year. Oh, this team's moving. This team's getting out of here. Bring them back to Quebec. They just keep going. They keep doing their thing. Now, their thing wasn't necessarily successful for a very, 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 very long time. There's not a lot of winning success here in Arizona, but this is pretty wicked, man. I, I have to... I have to give respect to this team with all the animosity that's gone around them over the last couple of years. And, you know, I don't think anyone would necessarily blame Arizona for not not playing very well, maybe having a lot on their minds. Like, what's the future of the Arizona Coyotes? Are they are they even staying in Arizona? Well, the question to that might be it, it, it is trending towards yes, because the Arizona is looking to buy land in Arizona. So their plans, they, they're sticking to it. They do want to stay. And I think they are going to stay in all honesty. And that is kind of directed towards the board of governors meeting meetings that went down. We'll talk about it a little bit later, but they are looking to buy land An announcement for that should be incoming within the month or so. Uh, this shit doesn't happen fast. So well, we'll be uh, still waiting for that announcement to be official and, and really get the ball in motion. But, you know, winning like this always helps the situations. Always going to make things better. Winning fixes damn near everything, if not everything. Who doesn't love winning? And the Arizona Coyotes are doing just that. It's uh, extremely, extremely impressive. We look at the standings now in the Western Conference. I mean, Arizona is in seventh place right now in the whole entire um, what do you call it, Western Conference. Now we look at it in the wild card right now. Arizona is in the first wild card spot right now with 28 points. St. Louis is right behind them with 27 points. And so is Nashville at 26 points. And a little further down, Calgary, 23 points. So, and in terms of games in hand, Arizona's in a good spot. I mean, they have... Similar or more games in hand than everybody other than Minnesota, who have been trending upwards. We'll talk about them in a little bit. But Arizona, arguably the hottest team in the West right now. They are doing very, very well. They've won over five in a row. They're on a winning streak. And obviously beating former champions, which is great. So we look at Arizona overall as a team. It's it's a good little team, man. Like, there's a lot of guys on, on this team that don't get the recognition and so on and so forth because they're Arizona. But goals per game right now, 
They're 11th in the league at scoring at 3.33 goals per game. Goals against, they are 10th, 2.83 goals against. Their power play, wow, is 5th place at 26.8%. And their penalty kill is 13th. So across the board, they're in the upper echelon of the NHL, which is really, really quite something, isn't it? I mean... Fifth place on that power play, that's very, very impressive right there, considering, like I said, there isn't a lot of, like, big-name star power in Arizona. You have Clayton Keller, who is maybe one of the more underrated guys in the in the NHL. The guy is amazing. But we look at the total stats of this team right now. You have Clayton Keller leading the charge, 24 games, 24 points, 8 goals, 16 assists. Now, he is a minus 7, which is it's not ideal, and there's not a whole lot of minuses on this team. And Clayton Keller, you know, uh, being on that top line, and his running partner, Nick Schmaltz, also on that top line with him. They're both he's a minus 7 and a minus 8. So it's a little bit concerning right there that your, your top line is maybe getting outscored at this time. But they are getting good depth. So you got Nick Schmaltz there, 24 games, 20 points. One of the more, again, just another super underrated player. He is generally in and around a point a game every season. He just tends to not stay healthy enough for that to really shine through when you're looking at the overall stats at the end of the year. He would probably be like, oh, he got like 60 points in 67 games or something like that. Like a really, really good season, but it's just like, oh, if he could just get a full healthy year now knock on wood so far so good for him this season and then you got freaking Matias Michelli this guy is having an excellent little season right here four goals 13 assists 17 points in 24 games nothing wrong with that Michael Carconi another like they got Marcelli Carconi they got all these awesome Italian style names I'm loving it and you just got a lot of guys putting up some good points. J.J. Mosier, Sean Dursey came over there, and he's doing really well, man. Like, 13 points in 24 games, but he's also a plus 10. He also has 29 penalty minutes, which seems uh, awfully high for him. You got the young stud, Logan Cooley. Now, he's not lighting up the league right now. Uh, we will be taking a look at the rookie scoring race in a little bit, but Logan Cooley, 14 points in 24 games. Only the three goals, but I don't think Logan Cooley was coming in as this elite sniper. It was more about his overall playmaking ability. But yeah, you would like to see more than three goals right now. Alex Kerfoot somehow has 15 points. Uh, I think he had zero points the last time I talked about Kerfoot, so he must be on fire. Only two goals, but you know. And then Lawson Kraus. Talked about this guy before. He is one of the... Hidden secret weapons in the NHL, man. This guy's huge. He hits everything. He scores. He's just a monster. And no one talks about him. He may be, you know, behind the Kachuk brothers, one of the best power forwards in the game. And he gets zero recognition other than from me because I have him in fantasy. And I love this guy. He's friggin' awesome. And uh, defensively, like, they have... Decent defense, man. Like, you know, you got Travis Dermott back there for some depth. Only got into 10 games. Troy Stetcher, uh, Valimaki. You got Matt Dumba, who's been there. Yeah, you know, only the four points in 23 games and a minus six. Not incredible, but again, it was a good addition for them. The only one that I'm really uh, still is not having the season uh, up to the standards I was hoping for is Barrett Hayden. Uh, 
Now, he's only played in 16 games, but still only four points. A minus two isn't horrible, but, man, he was lighting it up last year. So if, if they can get that guy going a little bit the way that he was last year, Arizona's going to be even more deadly. And then the the bright spot on this team, other than you know all the other bright spots, but Connor Ingram definitely shining the brightest right now for Arizona. 15 games, 11 wins, and three losses. 2.23 goals against average and a 9.30 save percentage with two shutouts. This guy is playing amazing. Absolutely amazing. He's like 26 years old, never shown uh, this ability. But, you know, Arizona has a good track record of recuperating or re-energizing goaltending sometimes with certain players. They're really good also at doing this with defense look at what they did with Shane Goss despair like they absolutely turned that guy's career around and now he's in Detroit playing very very well if he continued with the Flyers dude might not even be in the NHL right now but again Arizona does a lot of things quietly pretty fucking good now I will say that their uh their their bad things are generally pretty pretty bad you know not paying the bills and and losing uh where the arizona coyotes used to play not ideal but yo right now they're playing great these numbers if they can keep it up and if connor ingram man if he can keep playing this way arizona's making the playoffs and they could be a problem in the playoffs you got some like i said like we haven't i don't think we've seen many or any of these guys in the playoffs especially like the main Arizona Coyotes like Clayton Keller's never been there Michelli Carcone Kraus a lot of those guys haven't been there before so it could be good it could be they're almost kind of playing with house money right now because no one really expected Arizona to be this good there was some optimism that they would be better for sure but not this much better I don't think not that I've heard of anyway but this is going very well for Arizona I hope they can keep it up they do have Carl Vamelka there and he's been struggling. If they didn't have Connor Ingram, we would not be having this conversation about the Arizona Coyotes. Because in 11 games played from Vimelka, only two wins, six losses, and two losses in overtime. 3.45 goals against and an 8.92 save percentage. So, yeah, letting in a lot of goals, probably... Uh, high in the goals above expected. But, uh, yeah, you know, 8.92 save percentage, it's not good but you know the the standard the average goaltending numbers have come down I think league average nowadays probably like a 907 908 where a few years ago you're looking at like a 915 so it's going down but yeah an 892 is not good enough so we'll keep an eye on the Arizona Coyotes curious to hear what y'all think about Arizona is this team going to make it I mean I really really hope so the west this year it's still pretty fucking open oh, man all all said and done like there's a lot of teams uh that are just really not doing that well in the west and there's a lot of opportunities still in the west wide open it's the wild wild west right now so we'll see I, I am rooting for the Arizona Coyotes to make it that would just be a lot of fun and you know, I know it would kind of suck if they do make the playoffs and they're they're going to be in that small arena where it would be great to to see a packed playoff barn for the Arizona Coyotes in a legitimate NHL arena, but it's still going to be an absolute madhouse in there and 
you know, I wouldn't want to be the team going up against Arizona. Imagine if they ha- Arizona has home ice advantage somehow, and you got to go in that little building, which last year was not a really... It was pretty tough playing in that building for them. So we'll see how it goes. Again, Arizona, really, really interesting team right now, and curious to hear what y'all think about Arizona. So speaking of curiosity, I teased a million things throughout that Arizona tangent, but let's go over to the Minnesota Wild because... They're a pretty interesting team right now, so let's check in. So last week, they made the big decision to fire Dean Evanson, to bring in John Hines, and so far, so freaking good with the Minnesota Wild. So I don't think, uh, I think uh, John Hines' first game uh, coaching was against the Nashville Predators, but they did beat the St. Louis Blues before that, 3-1. to one. Then they take down a very, very hot Nashville team, 6-1. to one. So they dominated one of the hottest teams in the league at that point take down Chicago and they take down the Flames so not huge competition they have a big game coming up on Thursday against the Canucks that's going to be a very big uh, game and a test for them the Canucks have kind of been up and down right now so they're going to want to try and take advantage of that and continue this winning streak they're up to uh, what four games now in a row it's good it's mostly the scores so uh, the they're not letting in a lot of goals right now. 4-1 to one win on Chicago and a 5-2. to two. So the goals against is, is coming down. Gustafson's playing better. The team all around is playing better. But is it is it too late for the Minnesota Wild to make it into the playoffs? I mean, it is going to be tough. It's definitely going to be a, t- a really tough climb for them to get back up there. Like, not only, like, they got Edmonton behind them as well. That is a very, very determined team to try and get back into the playoffs. Currently, they are sitting at 22 points, the Minnesota Wild are, and Edmonton's at 19. So, but they're both on four-game winning streaks. So, like I said, man, like, the door isn't 100% shut on almost everybody In the West, aside from, like, San Jose, Chicago, they're pretty done, and I don't think they have any ambitions to get up in that, and probably the Ducks as well. But, um, yeah, everyone else, I think, are are still interested in trying to make a playoff run. Calgary is is interesting because they've made the trade, so I'm I'm hoping they drop out, kind of do like a Detroit last, like they did last year, like, yeah, be competitive, be fine, and then when when it's time, all right, let's just let's just drop out, sell off, and we'll try and get the best draft pick that we can. But uh, I don't know, Calgary very similar to last year, man. They're just a fucking really frustrating team to watch, up and down. Can't anyway. We're not talking about Calgary right at the moment. Minnesota, so. I mean, they got games in hand. That is really important for them right now. But they got a lot, a lot of work to do, man. Like, they got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 teams ahead of them. Uh, yeah, and the, and the highest being Vegas at 37 points. So they're never going to catch them. You're not catching Colorado, Los Angeles, Vancouver, Dallas, Winnipeg even. That's, that's an 8-point or, wait, yeah, eight, eight, no, yeah, eight points, and, you know, like, the only teams that they can really catch would be Arizona, St. Louis, Nashville, Calgary, but that's a lot of work, man, like, it's, it's not easy to, to even catch up from four points behind, it's very, very difficult, that's why it's so important to get those wins early, so, yeah, I don't know about Minnesota, man, uh, 
it's that beginning was so damn rough. So, I mean, at least they're doing good now, but I don't know. It might be too little too late at this point, but uh, yeah. And also a little update on the Mark Andre Fleury's mask. It did sell and it sold for a staggering $35,000. So congratulations to whoever bought that. No way in hell I was I would be able to buy a fucking hockey mask for that much. I I even if it's going to charity, I I don't have that money, but very nice story uh for Mark Andre Fleury, the Minnesota Wild the the charity and you know nhl looks stupid yet again so there you go speaking of the nhl we'll talk about the board of governors meeting uh not a lot coming out of it you know not sometimes like huge things come out of it i don't think they're completely done just yet but this is what we got out of those meetings so far they have announced that the nhl entry draft will be held at the vegas sphere that is going to be awesome i don't know a lot about the sphere yet but i know that it's very very cool and it cost a fuckload of money to build and it could be fun i don't know is that going to be the home for the draft every single year it could be if it goes very very well and i think we have they did say that they are going to do that fucking the, the way that they draft like in the nba where they don't bring everybody i think that's what they're still planning to do but to have it the vegas sphere cool maybe they'll do some cool shit with the sphere i have no idea but there's a lot of potential for some cool stuff to go down and they've also predicted the cap for next season we're looking at a 87 million dollar cap I believe that is roughly a $4 million increase from the current cap. So, yeah, it's a, it's a nice chunk of change. It's a good increase. First increase we've had in years because of COVID fucked everything up. And, uh, yes, yeah, so now we're starting to recuperate from those uh, the stagnant years on the salary cap. And it should be going up consistently by big chunks like this for a little while to try and catch up and get everything good. And then we get to watch how the GMs waste and and just fucking spend every single penny that they can and then complain about, oh, I'm stuck at the cap. I can't do anything. I said, well, you know, you got to be a little smarter than that. So that's all that I have heard out of the Board of Governors meetings right there. And we have a trade out of Calgary. We teased this so Nikita Zadorov has been traded to the Vancouver Canucks and not the Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm not sour about that whatsoever. Oh, I'm not sour at all. Fucking goddamn Vancouver. So, the 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 turning point of this trade, why the Leafs didn't end up getting this uh, to go through, uh, is salary cap. It's as simple as that. The Leafs were uh, reportedly in on Zadorov and Tanev. They wanted to try and get them both. But Vancouver freed up some calorie, uh, cap space. They were able to make the trade without any shenanigans, without Calgary retaining any money, and that was that. Calgary's like, nice, easy, clean, simple trade, and what is the return? Well, honestly, it's not a huge return for Zadorov. Uh, Calgary Flames fans are a little bit disappointed. A 2024 fifth-round pick and a 2026 third-round pick. So, you know, it's not a lot. It's, uh, you know, maybe a little bit. They definitely could have got more for him if the Flames decided to wait a little bit and gauge the market a little longer and maybe get some more teams in on him so you can start driving up the price. Toronto probably would have been giving you more, but for some reason the Flames didn't want to deal with cap things. Now, it's interesting that they 
wanted to go that way. Now, this could be for something in the future. They want to keep cap space open for potential trades. If someone wants to dump off a really shitty contract, bam, you're taking a first-round pick out of that team. So cap space is going to be very, very important for the Flames, and they don't bring in any salary cap back, which is huge. So that's part of the value of the trade. You're freeing up all that cap space. So the Whatever Zadorov was making, three, four million, something like that, completely off the books. So that's nice for Calgary. Free up some space. Maybe we can bring in a bad contract or two for some teams and get some fucking picks. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe a prospect. I don't know. So not a huge return. And that doesn't, you know, encourage me very much for what the return is probably going to be for Tanev. I think it's probably going to be lower. And then they got. <clears throat> They got the big ones, Noah Hannafin, which I, fuck, who did I, I think Arizona apparently has been sniffing around Noah Hannafin, that would be, that would be huge for them, that, that could work out very nicely, and, um, they also have Lindholm, who has been better lately, but still very inconsistent, you know, a goal and two assists this game, and then quiet for three, a goal here, and quiet for three, like, it's, it's not good enough, so, but it's been better, so. We'll see what uh, what else the Calgary Flames are going to be up to. It's not normal for trades to usually go down this early in the season, which, you know, I'm, I'm all for trades going down early. The earlier, the better, honestly, for most situations. I mean, this is great for Vancouver. And the fun thing is the, the second they made this trade, Zadorov was playing the Flames already. So Vancouver was going up against the Flames. So his first game as a Vancouver Canucks, Zadorov already getting that out of the way, playing his former team. So there was that. I didn't get to watch it. But uh, yeah, apparently Nikita Zadorov pairing on the third pair with Tyler freaking Myers. Now there's a kind of a controversial nickname that people are calling them. I'm not going to say it. And they've said, please don't call us that. But they're two very big, strong men. So you can maybe figure it out for yourself but um yeah that's a that's a scary pairing I wouldn't want to fucking deal with that pairing in the playoffs it's not that Tyler Myers is I don't really know if Tyler Myers uses his big massive insane frame I know Zadorov does I so uh yeah that's a that's a fucking nasty little pair right there for Vancouver and I think that's where Zadorov should be on most teams I think he you know not necessarily, maybe a little bit over-exceeded his play in Calgary. He was a great Calgary Flame, man. He did probably had his best run as an NHLer in Calgary. So hopefully he can continue that with the Canucks. I wish him the best. It's just strange that the Flames and Canucks seem to have no problem dealing with each other in trades. This is this they continue to do trades with each other, which is weird. It is weird. Okay, so we have some signings to talk about as well. Uh, Sam Montembeau signs a three-year extension with the Montreal Canadiens. I think I talked about this, but well, we'll talk about it again. Why not? Three years, $3.15 million per season for the 27-year-old goaltender. Fine with that. Seems like a fair deal. He's played quite good this year. Uh, it has been falling off, as the Habs have as a whole. They're kind of falling down the uh, the rankings right now, but they're still kind of in there, you know. They're not doing horrible, but oddly, it's like the goaltending has been kind of the high spot of their season, which I, I don't think a lot of us were expecting that, but good for Sam Montembeau. He's popped around some teams in the NHL, and he's found himself a nice home with the Montreal Canadiens. So for, uh, good, good on them. There you go. Holy crap. Mark Pissick signed with the Calgary Flames. One year, 
league minimum to try and add in some defensive depth after trading away Zadorov. And also with Calgary, apparently Shillington is also skating with the team. No uh, clear idea of when he's returning or if or anything like that. But regardless, so good to hear his name and so good to hear that he's skating. It's been so long. He's been gone for so long. I just... I. Man, I just want to see him back on the ice. So, Shillington, uh, we don't know when he's coming back, but hopefully soon. And then the Winnipeg Jets, they re-sign Nito Niederreier. The fucking El Nino. Jeez, uh, can you imagine? 12-year deal? No. Uh, Three-year extension, $4 million per season for the 31-year-old winger. It's uh, I mean, it's okay. He's uh, He's been doing quite well with the Winnipeg Jets since they acquired him last season, I believe. He's been doing pretty good this year. I think he's got a hat trick or maybe two under his belt so far. But he's a good little player, man. He's a good little... Uh, top six middle six I don't really I don't actually know where he's playing in the Winnipeg lineup but not a bad deal man not a bad deal again the cap is going up so this could end up being a bargain for maybe a year or two maybe the last year may may not be excellent when he's like 33 34 but it's not like a big physical player so I could see it being a fine deal I'm fine with this uh, signing for the Winnipeg Jets good on them Speaking of good on him, oh my god, Tristan Jari scores a goalie goal and one of the nicest ones I have ever seen. So if you haven't checked this one out, absolutely look it up. It's uh, absolutely worth your while, and it was a hell of a goal, man. Tristan Jari, the Pens were only up by one, so it's a very, very risky situation for a goaltender to try and take that shot when they're only up by one it's more common for it to happen if they're up by two but Jari goes for it he fucking beamed that thing man absolutely launched it right down the middle of the ice and bam scores a goal I think he's only the 14th goalie in NHL history to score the goal and I think only one of 11 that actually put it in the net himself there have been a couple of goalie goals uh that Happened because a player on the other team accidentally put it in their own net, and technically the last person to touch the puck was the goaltender. So there's been a few goalie goals that happened that way, but Tristan Jaris will not be looked at that way. That was definitely a fucking really pretty goaltender goal. And he's having a good season, too, as well for Tristan Jari, you know. He's definitely taken a lot of flack, especially for, for his playoff abilities with the Pens, but he's a solid regular season goaltender. He's just got to... He's got to find that game in the playoffs. And will he score a goal in the playoffs? Will the Pens make the playoffs? I don't know. It's um, They're still struggling a little bit, the Pens are. So speaking of struggles, I think we should go and take a look at the New Jersey Devils, who have not been off to the start that they were hoping for when they started the season. Now, they have been playing better lately. Obviously, getting Jack Hughes back into the lineup is huge for them, and getting Nico Heischer back also huge. They have won four of their last five games, which is great. And uh, yeah, they're trending upward, which is good. But we look at this team and there's definitely uh, some problems here. So their scoring is great. They're scoring lots of goals, 3.7 goals per game. That is fourth in the NHL. So they're doing fucking excellent there. And then there's their goals against per game. 3.78. That is 31st in the league. Only one team worse than them, and I'm guessing that's San Jose. But that is a big old red flag, man, to have a fourth and a 
first. That they're okay. We got to fix something here. Their power play first place in the NHL, 36.4%. Absolutely slaughtering it on the power play. I don't think anyone in New Jersey is complaining about the offense. Am I right? Am I right? Okay. So then there's the penalty kill, 75% 22nd in the league. So it's that's pretty bad. 75%. You know, I um. I'm still trying to adjust my eyes a little bit to these more recent penalty kill numbers in the NHL. I used to be used to seeing a lot of 90s in the penalty kill numbers, and now, like, the best of the best are hitting, like, low 90s, and, like, really, really goods are, like, 85-plus percent kind of deals. So, yeah, 75, that's very, very low, um, but there's a lot more lower ones. They're 20 seconds, so it's bad. They've dealt with... So many fucking injuries this season. It's ridiculous. They had a huge one this week. Dougie Hamilton is down. He is down. And I am absolutely destroyed. I have him in fantasy. (sighs) And he fucked up his pectoral muscle, which is bad. Uh, If anyone knows Cody Rhodes in the WWE, he had that exact same injury. And it was so disgusting to look at. It was so bruised and it just looked so brutal. And then the fucker went in a Hell in a Cell match insane. Now, I don't expect Dougie Hamilton to partake in a Hell in a Cell match anytime soon, and I don't think he's going to be partaking in any NHL games anytime soon. So, a torn pectoral uh, at this point in the season, he's probably going to be missing uh, at least six weeks. So, um, the the nice thing is uh, about New Jersey is that they get to call up Simon Nemec. That was their second overall pick, what, two years ago now? And he had a great start. I mean, two assists in his first game. He played like 24 minutes. Great start for him. Way too early to really have any sort of gauge on his game. But just so far, so good. That's all you can really say. And then it's going to anyone that's got Luke Hughes in fantasy. Or if you don't, go pick him up now. Because this guy is probably going to take over that top PP And everything for Dougie Hamilton. So we can see a huge... Uh, injection of points for Luke Hughes. I mean, he's already put up a pretty good amount of points. But uh, yeah, man, they got a lot of injuries. Thomas Nosek is down. Brian Holonen, Nico Dawes, Nolan Foote, Brendan Smith, Eric Halla. Well, Brendan Smith is suspended, but he'll be back in a couple days. And Eric Halla is day-to-day. But everyone else is IR, not coming back soon. So yeah. And Obviously, Hughes was injured for a handful of games there, and so was Nico Heischer. They're two, arguably, their two best forwards on the team. Jack Hughes, definitely the best forward. But they have good depth up front. Uh, Their defense hasn't been up to snuff this season, and especially the goaltending numbers have been very just not good. So... Uh, That was my big problem, my concern coming into the season with the New Jersey Devils. I was not sold on their goaltending. I, you know, I know everyone was like, oh, Kira Schmid, he's he's the next one. But with such a small amount of games, and it already looked like he was kind of getting exposed by teams in the playoffs. So this is what happens very, very often in the NHL. You got a new goaltender comes in, comes in, he's hot. He is hot because teams don't know this goaltender yet. And then the offseason happens, they get the book written on this goaltender, and then bam, he comes out and he just doesn't look as good because now teams have scouted him. They know what he's weak on. Oh, he's got a bad glove. He's weak five hole. Whatever. Teams are going to know this stuff. They have scouts for that. So. It looks like the NHL uh, has kind of figured out both of the goaltenders, Vanacek and Schmid. You know, Vanacek's never been, like, the best goalie, but he's de- he was definitely way better last season than he was this year. 
rocking right now. Uh, 16 games played, a 3.60 goals against, and an 877 save percentage. Not good enough, but he does have nine wins out of 16 games. So they're getting the wins, but it's definitely not from goaltending. And then Akira Schmid, 10 games. 3.27 goals against and an 891 save percentage. It's better, but only three wins in 10 games. So you're not getting the good enough goaltending. And, you know, now some of those goaltenders that were available in the offseason aren't available anymore. Connor Hellebuck, he's locked up now and doesn't look like he's going anywhere. And that was a target that I, I would have really liked to see New Jersey go after that would have really solidified their goaltending uh, with one of the very few consistent goaltenders in this league. There's only like five of them, I think, that I can really put my chips onto. Uh, guys like Vasilevsky, Shostyrkin, Sorokin, Hellebuck, and Soros. Like, that's pretty much the only goaltenders that I can believe in that are always going to at least bring it. And even Hellebuck on a bad season, he's still good. So... If they brought in Hellebuck, I don't think this would have been a problem, but that's a big ask, and it wasn't, you know, Winnipeg teased maybe moving him, but then they signed him, so their best option now is is probably a John Gibson, and, you know, I we definitely prefer a Hellebuck over a John Gibson. I'm a fan of Gipper. I think he's a very underappreciated goaltender. He's been getting absolutely shelled for the last, like, seven years in Anaheim. The guy's exhausted. And if you put some form of defense in front of him, I think he would get back to that top-tier goaltending. But he's on the Ducks, so you can't... We can't... You know, it's not going to look good when you played on the Ducks. So, yeah, it's going to be rough. But, uh, yeah, they got to do something about this goaltending. I think they are looking for something, but it's tough, man. It's tough out there. There's not a whole lot out there, and teams aren't just giving away goaltenders all the time, right? So there's a few teams out there. I know there's uh, the talks around Montreal now that they have signed Montembeau, which leaves kind of Jake Allen out in the wind, but... You know, I think Jake Jake Allen would be a pretty solid add for the New Jersey Devils. I think Jake Allen is a really... He thrives in that 1A, 1B situation. Like, I remember him... Fuck, man. Jake Allen and Brian Elliott in the St. Louis Blues. That tandem, so good. But if you put them out there as, like, number one goaltenders, they suck. So if you can keep them with with Vanacek, Jake Allen, maybe that's it. Akira Schmid, Jake Allen, maybe that's the answer. But regardless, it's very clear that goaltending is the problem in New Jersey. Is it also a defensive problem? I mean, uh... There's some pretty nasty minuses on this team. Well, actually, only really the one that sticks out, and that's Timo Meyer. A minus 15 in 16 games. It's just not good. Only 11 points, five goals. Like, I never, I did not like that Timo Meyer move. I didn't, I didn't like it originally. Uh, the trade was fine. The signing scared me, and I don't think it's going to be excellent for them. Uh, all said and done, now, I don't know. Don't get to watch a lot of New Jersey, but I've not been impressed with Timo Meyer. Uh, Toffoli's been great, great addition, and then you got the insane. Like Jesper Bratt has kept the team afloat while Jack Hughes is gone, and then Jack Hughes, bro, 18 games. He's got 33 points. Like it's out of control out of control the devils have been trending upward and let's see if they can get out of this hole i still believe in the new jersey devils that they can make the playoffs but their numbers are starting to look a lot like their numbers from the last you know not last year but the seasons before where it's like there's a good team here but they're held back by goaltending if they could just get a goaltender 
this team might be unstoppable. So they got to find a goalie. Is there a goalie out there? What do you guys think? So we got a few injuries here that I kind of forgot to mention while we were talking about some of the teams with the Calgary Flames. Jacob Markstrom is week to week. He fractured his finger. Uh, thankfully, Vladar has been doing pretty good lately. So maybe we're going to get a Dustin Wolf call up, get him in a game or two, see what else we can get out of Wolf. He only played the one game. And, you know, it wasn't amazing. It wasn't bad, but it's it's only one game. So hopefully maybe we can see Wolf get in a couple games over the next couple weeks here. And we also got a pretty gnarly injury out of Montreal. Newhook will be out for 10 to 12 weeks. And that sucks for the Habs. I mean, this kind of happens every year. They're doing pretty good. And then the injuries start to pile up. And then they just absolutely fall apart. And Newhook has been good for them. He's been a nice addition. Young player coming from Colorado. I thought he fit in quite nicely with Montreal. And they're going to miss that for 10 to 12 weeks. So that fucking sucks. And we also got... Uh, Jaden Schwartz with his uh, seasonal injury, he will be out six weeks. Jaden Schwartz, I don't think, has played a healthy season in the NHL, which is unfortunate. Really good player, just can't stay fucking healthy. So those are a lot of the big injuries going on right now. Okay, so I'll talk about Corey Perry if I have to. Gun to my head, we'll talk about him for a second. So we'll blow by this. All this shit was blown way out of proportion, myself included. Like, I didn't go on the internet and say, oh, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I definitely joked around with my friends. We shared a couple of pictures. We had a couple giggles. But, yeah, this went a little overboard, uh, attacking Corey Perry and uh, making these ridiculous rumors uh, that had no, zero evidence or zero credibility from whoever started the rumor. There was absolutely no credibility behind it, but people took it and ran with it because is it believable? I mean, fine. I mean, yes, I think we all believed it a little bit when we first heard it. I definitely was like, I could see that. Oh, sure. I mean, why not? I mean, it, people don't really shock me, man. I, I've people have done everything horrible ever. So when something a horrible, when a person does something horrible, am I that shocked overall? Not necessarily. So kind of comes with age, but yeah. So I mean, yeah, I didn't say I didn't think I didn't out of the gate go. Oh, that's that's bullshit. I was like, it could be real. It could be, but it's been shut down. Corey Perry's contract is terminated. It's they're moving on from it. I have no information. Corey Perry released a statement apologizing. He's going to get the help that he needs, which is great. I mean, the the most important step is admitting you have a problem and to get help. That the most that like you have to admit it's a problem and you have to acknowledge that. If you do not, you're not going to get any. You're not going to fix it if you don't think it's a problem. So Corey Perry acknowledging that. What was it he did? I don't know. The important thing is he wants to fix it and get better. So there's that. Will he play in the NHL again? It's still up up in the air. I mean, teams are going to want to know what happened, I think, before they would want to sign him. And potentially, who knows? It could be a PR nightmare if someone signs him and finds out after they sign him what he did. And then, oh, God, okay, now we got to fucking fire him or whatever the shit, right? So, yeah, uh, the Corey Perry situation was way out, of blunt, way out of proportion. The fucking douche, whatever scumbag Winnipeg reporter asked Connor Bedard about it, like, just go fucking... Get the hell out of here with that crap. Like, what a scumbag. What a dork. What a dink. But Connor Bedard handling it like a pro, barely fucking, f- like, 
just he just went right through it, man. Like I can only imagine internally what the what that poor kid is thinking about and his family and friends and all this bullshit, but hopefully something like this doesn't happen again. I mean, it almost a guaranteed that something like this will happen again, but yeah, let's let's try and keep it away from the kids. He's 18 years old, y'all. Like put yourself in his shoes. How would you feel? If someone was spreading this shit about your mom and stuff, like, yeah, some of us would be like, oh, whatever, I don't like my mom, but, you know, it's not cool, man, it's a young kid, so let's just uh, act like adults, if we can, I know it's hard, but let's smarten up, okay? Okay. On to actually cool things, the Los Angeles Kings, on Zay Kopitar, is officially the all-time assist leaders for the Kings, and that's awesome, and it should be, I mean, on Zay Kopitar... What a fucking... I was just looking at his stats the other day. I was... Boy, this dude's played over 1,300 games. Goddamn. This guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer in my books. Hands down. It's not even a question. Two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's led the LA Kings in scoring every single year since he's arrived, basically. He's amazing. He's the captain. He's the best. I think Anze Kopitar is the homie. He's officially the homie, and that guy's awesome. And what a career. He could win another Stanley Cup this year, man. Like, L.A. is on fire. There's Especially now that Edmonton is out of their picture. Like, if Edmonton doesn't make the playoffs, L.A. might have a fucking beeline to that Stanley Cup fucking finals. They just might be able to get there this season if Edmonton... This could be their best chance. So, in a way... I'm not a huge fan of L.A., but, man, they got a lot of players over there that I'm a fan of. Like, I know people don't like Drew Doughty, but I like him because he's an actual personality in the NHL that's not afraid of showing it, which is so incredibly rare. So, I like Drew Doughty. Quentin Byfield, like that player a lot. Anze Kopitar, obviously. I was a big old fan of Dustin Brown when he was there as well. And Jonathan Quick when he was there also. But... Ellie King's doing really, really good. That is like my dark horse pick. They've been my dark horse pick, my dark horse pick for the playoffs for a couple of years now. I think they're a very well put together team. It's just goaltending was a big question mark, but Cam Talbot so far has shut that shit down. So really good for the Los Angeles Kings. They're doing fantastic. And then you got the Nashville Predators, who are also doing pretty well. You know, they were coming off that nice big winning streak. And now something interesting has come out of Nashville. Tyson Berry has, uh, I mean, he hasn't, I don't think he's requested a trade, but he has been uh, allowed to allow his agent to go kind of look for trades. So this is interesting, but I get it. So Tyson Berry is on his last year of a contract. He's not getting the ice time that he would like to have in in Nashville. He's at like 18 minutes. He's not getting top power play because fucking Roman Yossi exists. So you're not getting, you're not taking Roman Yossi off for Barry. I'm sorry. It's just not happening. So maybe it's not the best fit that I thought it was for Tyson Barry in Nashville. I mean, I was more or less thinking about uh, like things outside of hockey, like, oh, it's a music town. He, he likes music. I'm pretty sure he likes country music. I was like, oh, Nashville got to be a great place for him. He, he should love it here. It's not a crazy market like Toronto and Edmonton. So yeah, I, th- I thought it was a, a nice fit, but apparently he would like a better opportunity somewhere else. Now, where is that opportunity exactly? Is, is he going to get moved this year? We've seen this a lot of times. I mean, Kuznetsov, he's wanted out for 700 years. He's still there, and he's still getting scratched. <laughs> so, yeah, 
It's not a guarantee that Tyson Berry gets moved, but it's a pretty good chance. When someone wants out, uh, it's it's better to let them have that. If they don't want to be here, it's not good to have that around. And and it's not that he's making a big stink about it. It did sadly get out, and Barry Trotz didn't want that to get out, but it did. And now it's out there. So that's going to hurt the value. That's going to hurt the return, and so on and so forth. So again... Barry Trotz doesn't have to make this trade. If he if he's getting undercut and he's getting low ball offers, he doesn't have to take it. He could just keep it and let him walk. It It is what it is. And like I said, Nashville, they're not dead in the water yet. They could still make the playoffs, and Barry would help them. Though he hasn't been incredible, he hasn't been bad. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of teams that could use the services of a Tyson Barry. I mean, there has been a connection between Barry and Calgary, there's some teams that think he could go there, and that would be a nice uh, quarterback power play guy for the Flames, which they don't really have necessarily, like a bona fide offensive defenseman, which clearly Barry is. He's a straight up offensive defenseman, next to no defensive abilities. So if you can bring, like, for example, you bring in. Uh, Barry, you pair him with Tanev, you pair him with Hannafin, you pair him with Shillington, you pair him with someone that's more defensively responsible, you might be okay. But regardless, Barry wants out, and that's pretty interesting considering they're a team that wants to win. But again, I think it comes down to contract. He wants to have a good year. He wants to show off that he can put up points. He's 31-32 now, so this is going to be his last real opportunity to get some money. And honestly, you know, He's made millions, obviously. He's made a lot of money, should be happy, but for a lot of his time in Colorado, I feel like he was underpaid, and in Toronto, and his next deal with Edmonton, I feel like he's always been a little bit under the money that he should be making, so I think he's going to want to try and cash in this time, and I don't blame him. It's, it, it's a smart thing to do, so we'll see what happens with Tyson Berry, and if he does get moved, uh, it's I wonder, where do y'all think a Tyson Berry could go? Would he go back to Edmonton? I don't think that makes any sense. They got Boucher, so that's that was his replacement in the first place. So yeah, there's that. And now something interesting out of Ottawa. So Ottawa Senators have hired Jacques Martin as the senior coaching advisor. So some people are not really seeing anything out of this hire, but there this is kind of eyebrow raising in a way because... You know, DJ Smith, he's been the coach with Ottawa for a few seasons now and kind of love him or hate him. There's some players and fans that just absolutely love DJ Smith. They're like, this guy is excellent. What a fucking awesome coach. And then there's other people that are like, get this guy the fuck out of here. He shouldn't be an NHL coach. He's terrible. He's had zero success with the Senators. And look at their team. Like, you look at the team. It's a pretty good-looking team, right? I think the Ottawa Senators good-looking team. But... All the drama around the team and this and that, selling and oh my goodness, there's always something with Ottawa. And now is this another thing? So what I'm thinking is that if DJ Smith, you know, the sentence, they start to struggle a, a little bit more and they're, they're going down, they're trending downward. Is Jacques Martin the potential replacement for DJ Smith? Have they already kind of put that gear in motion? Is... Is Jacques Martin just strictly there to support DJ Smith? Is he there to look for another coach to replace him? Jacques Martin hasn't come out and said that he's wanted to coach. He has been a coach before. It's just really interesting that they would make that hire right now. So that would just leave me to 
think that maybe DJ Smith might be on the hot seat a little bit here. So again, we'll keep an eye out uh, with the Ottawa Senators. They could fix this problem by winning a whole bunch in a row. That would be great, but they're not doing that yet. So keep an eye on the Sens. We'll see what happens with DJ Smith. Do you think he's safe this season? Or do you think this might be the year that the Senators cut bait with DJ Smith? Because, I mean, there's a Jay Woodcroft out there. There's some coaches out there, man. I mean, Mike Babcock, eh? No, I'm just kidding. But, you know, Jay Woodcroft, that, that could be something good. So we'll see what goes on with the Senators. A very, very interesting hire right there. And speaking of interesting, let's take a look at the rookie race uh, NHL rookie goal scoring race for this season so far. So obviously Connor Bedard, he's going to be uh, still leading in a lot of these uh, categories. Points, Connor Bedard leads at 20 points. You got Marco Rossi at 15, Luke Hughes at 15, Evangelista in Nashville at 14. I Another player from Nashville. You're just like, who? But they're doing good. Evangelista. Fuck yeah. And then Logan Cooley rounds it out in the top five at 14 points. Then uh, we'll go to goals. Connor Bedard again leading with 11 goals. Marco Rossi, eight. Leo Carlson with eight. Now, there could be a debate if uh, Anaheim decided to not do this um, load management that they're doing with Carlson. He could have more points. But, you know... People may not like it, myself included, because I had Carlson in my fantasy team. He was doing good, and then they started benching him. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? So what they are doing, in fact, is when they do bench him for those games, they have him in the gym. He's fucking chucking weights. He's just going nuts. And like we've said this before, the kid is still growing. He's getting bigger. So I think they want to add more size onto him while mixing in some NHL games. It's interesting. It, it could work out very, very well. Like, yes, he may not hit the points that we were hoping in his rookie season this year, but his sophomore season could be unbelievable. Where a lot of a lot of rookies commonly deal with the sophomore slump. Their first season is great. Second season, they go down, and it's like, oh, what the heck? In my video game, it always goes up. Just uh, you know, they, it always goes upward. But in the NHL, reality is, it's it doesn't always project upward, straight line all the way. Sometimes there's downs and 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 more downs, and then ups, and so on and so forth. Very similar to the goaltending, where you have a first year goaltender who comes in and looks unbelievable because no one's seen this guy before. Same thing with fucking uh player skaters as well and leo carlson they haven't played this kid before they don't know what they're expecting then he comes in he does some cool shit you're like oh what the fuck and then after a year or two you know we get the book written on leo carlson okay he likes to chip it up this way he likes to go that way he likes to do this when he comes in on that side and stuff like that so again it looks like the ducks are definitely planning ahead of time they're not just focused on tomorrow's game and if leo carlson's going to get in there they're thinking ahead so that's commendable that's that that could be good it could be detrimental detrimental something like that anyway pretty good leo carlson eight goals not bad matthew nyes is there with six goals he you know he is in that rookie race and adam fantilli with five goals assist wise we have someone that's not Connor bedard it's Pavel Michikov, 12 assists for the Anaheim Ducks, that defenseman. Uh, he's been definitely quiet since his really hot start, and same with the Ducks as a whole. Uh, Logan, oops, sorry, no, Luke Hughes, 11 assists. Logan Cooley, 11. Evangelista, 11. And Connor Bedard there with 9. So Bedard's got more goals than assists. I don't think we're really shocked about that. You look at the team in Chicago, who's going to score the goals? Probably Bedard. 
plus minus. You got Marco Rossi plus six. Forrester, Faber, and Greg all plus six. Baronkov and Columbus also a plus five. Goaltending now. Uh, goals against average. Samuel Erson, 2.78. Joseph Wall, 2.82. Kachetkov, 2.83. Hofer, 3.04. And Soderblom, 3.62. Save percentage, Joseph Wall, of course, the 915 save percentage, Hofer 901, Erson 885, Soderblom 884, and Kachekov an 881. So we don't see goaltenders win the Calder very often, and Joseph Wall's numbers are pretty damn impressive for a rookie goaltender. I just don't I don't think they're impressive enough that it's going to beat out Bedard or even Marco Rossi right now. Uh, but he's having a good good run, man. I I am a big old fan of Joseph Wall. Wins, Joseph Wall, eight, Erson five, Hofer five, Dostal five, and Kachekov five. Shutouts, you got uh, tight for Hofer and Kachekov each have one shutout each. Oh yeah, Joseph Wall, we got to get you a shutout, buddy. But that is the current update on the rookie races. Do you think anyone's going to beat out Bedard? Is there a potential that Joseph Wall is able to steal it from him? I mean, the way that it's going right now, Joseph Wall is the starting goaltender for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So he's going to pick up wins. Uh, If he can keep that save percentage right around there, I'm going to be very, very happy. And yeah, I mean, Joseph Wall's having a great run with the Leafs. But Connor Bedard, man, it's it's looking like it's it's his to lose. So uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Probably talk about it a month from now, and we'll see where we're at. And now it's time to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So last week I went on a tangent. Calling out Marner and Matthews. You guys aren't playing like superstars. You're not worth your money that you're being paid right now. Super inconsistent. And kind of shut my mouth up a little bit this year, this this week. So, called out Marner. He gets the fucking fishbowl magic going on in that game. He gets a hat trick against the Kraken. And it just looked like the weight of the world came off of Marner's shoulders in that game. I mean... He looked like Mitchie again. He definitely, lately he's been looking like Mitchell, and we need Mitchie. I need some Mitchie. I don't want Mitchell Marner. Fuck that guy. I want Mitchie Marner back. I want that kid. I want that young, fun, fucking sniffing, smelling salts on the bench with Matt Martin. Mm, I want that kid back, man. Where did that Marner go? I loved that Marner. But this Mitchell Marner, I don't know about this guy, man. He kind of sucks. Don't really like him. But he did shut me up in that game. Three goals. I think he might have gotten an assist as well. But that was a great game from Mitch. Best game of the season from him so far. And I also called out Matthews. And he also shut me up a little bit. He got two big goals against the Bruins in that big game. That was a game, you know. That was a fun-ish game to watch. Of course, Brad Marchant is the one to put the Leafs to bed. I literally bursted out laughing when I, I saw that. I just I saw it coming. I'm like, there he is, Brad Mar, bam, in the back of the net. I'm like, of course, absolutely, of course. Why the fuck wouldn't it be? I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised that Bergeron and Chara just came out of retirement to score a goal in the Leafs for that night. But, uh, yeah, that's the way it goes down. But, you know, it's encouraging to see that there was a little bit of a call-out on Marner and Matthews. They answered the bell. But sadly, this fucking week has been ridiculous. The Leafs haven't played all week. They're playing tomorrow. So their schedule has been stupid. So a good chance that that hotness that 
Marner and Matthews just got off of those two recent games is going to be gone because they had like five days off. So I'm going to definitely have my eyes on, on the Leafs tomorrow in their game, especially on Matthews and Marner. And we got to get that consistency going, man. Like I, I got, we have to have points out at at least one of you every single game. I can't, we cannot see goose eggs on the board. So it's just, it's not acceptable with the amount of money that you guys are being made. The line mates that you have, you should be putting up points every single game. And Maximus Domius scores his first goal as a Toronto Maple Leafs, and it was gorgeous. Forehand, backhand, shelf, one of my favorite of all time. Just mm, that Sundin move, baby, and he exploded. Again, the, the weight of the world lifted off of Domi's shoulders. He's been playing excellent hockey for like two, three weeks now, and he's on pace for like 45, 50 assists two goals or whatever, but hey, he's doing good. Uh, a bargain contract so far with Max Domi. Maximus Domius. I I love that. Steve Dangle called him that, and I'm stealing it. It's, it's amazing. I love it. So that's wicked. Other than that, there hasn't been a lot going on with the Leafs. Like I said, they were in on the Zadorov-Tanev trade, so that doesn't go through. I think they, I honestly think Tanev is coming over. It's 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 got to happen, man. It's going to happen. Uh, what's the price going to be? I think it's going to be low. Is it? Is it like a third? Is it a fourth? Is it a little bit more? I don't know, but I think Tanev is going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, and I really fucking hope so. I hope next week we're talking about Tanev and where he fits in in the Leafs lineup because they need some help back there, and I think, you know, Zadorov was my number one. That was the guy I wanted. I was like, that's the closest comparable on the market right now to Jake Muzzin. And Jake Muzzin was that missing ingredient that the Leafs needed. And so, yeah, Tanev, I don't think is necessarily Muzzin, but he's still a defensive defenseman. And that would be great to add to the blue line. So what do you guys think the Leafs are going to go after? Is there is John Klingberg going to come back? It really doesn't look like that is going to be in the works. So we'll see what's going on with the Leafs. I'm going to be very interested to see how they play tomorrow. And yeah, I think that is going to be it for this week's episode, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. You're awesome, or if you're watching it, whatever. And especially, you're awesome if you review and like and do all that stuff with the podcast, the videos on YouTube. That would be very, very much so appreciated, of course. And in terms of what we got going on this week uh, with the GamerCast, I'm going to be doing my Lies of P review. Uh, Should be dropping this Friday or Saturday, probably Friday. Uh, Took down that game. So yeah, we'll be having a nice review, a nice discussion about Lies of P. And I have a a lot of episodes uh, planned for the GamerCast. I just realized that Ocarina of Time is 25 years old. So I have to do an episode on Ocarina of Time. So that's in the works. I'm building it up. Uh, It's a very, very special, important game to me. So I want to nail that episode. So I'll be working on that one. It'll be be here when it's ready. And I want to do Hogwarts review at some point when I'm done that game. I got top 10, top 12 game-changing games, life-changing games. I want to be doing that. Really, I wouldn't mind doing an episode discussing the Game Awards, but we'll see where that goes. And of course, there will be the Xyz. The Xyz are incoming, my video game awards, and that's going to be a lot of fun, man. It has been an insane year for video games, so it's going to be a lot of fun going through this crazy year of video games that it was, talking about everything that I played, my favorite, my least favorite, what I'm looking forward to, just... 
It's going to be a lot of fun, so stick around with that. WrestleCast this week, we got a pay-per-view coming up this weekend. It's an NXT one, so it may not be long, so it might get squeezed into the weekly recap. Just stick around and, and follow along on Twitter and all that shit. I'll keep you updated. And yeah, so I think that's it for, for me, everybody. Again, thank you so much for listening slash watching. These get uploaded to the YouTube channel, Gamer GX Videos, where you can watch, subscribe, drop a comment. You want to drop a question, leave a question, have a question answered, be my guest. Leave a little question down there related to hockey, video games, or wrestling, or about the podcast, or me, or, or you, or whatever the heck. Drop a question. I'd love to answer it on the podcast. That would be so much fun. And yes, so there you go, everybody. Thank you again for listening. There's Twitter. Go check all the links down there in the description. It's all there. Twitter, email, it's all there. So yeah, there you go, everybody. Thank you again. We'll be back again soon with more GX Plus Cast. Yeah.